how to handle God's holy word. And so if you have it, and I hope you do, take that out. We continue today in our series of messages through psalms. Psalms that contain a word that we sometimes overlook, don't notice, or pay attention to, and it's the word selah. It is a word that uh, is typically uh, rendered as take a break, stop, pause, take a breath, ponder on what was just said, and consider what's about to be said. And so today we continue with that in Psalm 143. If you have uh, your Bibles turned there. It's funny, we, we're just saying quite a few songs about the issue of grace. This last one was about mercy, not giving us what we deserve to get. I was told this morning out in the foyer by one of our loving church members not to expect any mercy today in the Pastor's Cup golf tournament. That they weren't, they weren't going to hold anything back. They didn't come to lay up today. Just buckle up and play your best because no mercy is coming. We'll see. When I first came to Community of Grace, <clears throat> my life uh, was overwhelmed, consumed, covered up underwater, whatever word you want to use, with learning how to be a senior pastor, how to love on a community of people, how to work with a staff that I've never worked with before, being a dad, being a taxi driver for when your kids can't drive yet. Anybody remember? Um, being a husband. We lived in Littleton for the first two years when we came here community of grace and so had the commute I, I, I'm just telling you I, I'm hoping to paint a picture of how busy and how overwhelmed I was <clears throat> one particular day it was a Saturday that I had a break I finally had a break and I was enjoying my morning I guess it was about 11 o'clock And I suddenly remembered that at 10.30, I was supposed to be at Fort Logan to oversee a graveside memorial. I can remember that day sitting down on the stairs right inside the front door of our house. I mean, that still, it gets me. And just weeping. How do you recover from that? I, I mean, you can't say, well, I'll be there next time. How do you recover from that? And I wept. I had so many things on my plate, and I missed one that one pastor, uh, pastors just can't miss those. It wasn't a coffee appointment. And I wept. And on that day, the Lord showed me mercy. Just so happens that a military chaplain was at the service and stepped right in without a hiccup. 
I composed myself and I called my, my friends that uh, I was supposed to be a part of that ceremony and they extended mercy to me. Anybody in need of mercy today? Anybody overwhelmed today? Do you find yourself covered up, underwater? Anybody discouraged today? I hope and pray that today's psalm will be a psalm of encouragement for you as you face the oncoming school year, students and teachers. By the way, how many teachers do we have in the house? One, two, three, four, five, six, nine or so. School's coming. And I know your classrooms are ready, so you can relax there. As we've been doing throughout this whole series of messages, we've been reading out loud these psalms together. And we're going to do that in just a moment. So, again, if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 143. This is a psalm of David. This is one of the seven psalms that are considered to be penitent psalms. He's coming with a penitent heart, a repentant, postured heart. And he speaks and writes these words for me under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So if you'll stand with me. We're going to read Psalm 143, and within it I want to point out a few things that will help you, help you and I find some encouragement when we're overwhelmed. When we have those times in our life and we have so many things going on that we start dropping those plates that we're trying to spin. Psalm 143. Read along with me. Hear my prayer, O Lord. All right, I'm going to start again. Use your voice that needs mercy. Psalm 143 says, hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my pleas for mercy. In your faithfulness, answer me. In your righteousness, enter not into judgment with your servant, for no one living is righteous before you. For the enemy has pursued my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me sit in darkness like those long dead. Therefore, my spirit faints within me. My heart within me is appalled. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the works of your hand. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. Selah. Answer quickly, O Lord. My spirit fails. Hide not your face from me, lest I be those who go down to the pit. Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love. For in you, make me know the way I should go. For to you I lift up my soul. Deliver me from my enemies, O Lord. I have fled to you for refuge. Teach me to do your will. For you... Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. For your name's sake, O Lord, preserve my life. In your righteousness, bring my soul out of trouble. And in your steadfast love, 
you will cut off my enemies and you will destroy of my soul. For I am, Father, we ask this morning that your Holy Spirit would fall upon this place in a way that we did not expect. Lord, for those that have come today that are overwhelmed, those that are here today that are just discouraged, they don't know why, but their heart is heavy. I pray, I pray that today your word would penetrate to the deepest places of their heart, that they wouldn't keep any of the doors closed in the chambers of their heart. They would open every one wide open and give you complete access. Lord, move among us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you hear it in David's? Can you hear it in his words? Can you hear his heart, how heavy his heart is? Listen to him in verse 3. For my enemies have pursued my soul. He has crushed me into the ground. He has made me sit in darkness like those long dead. Have you ever been there? What about verse 4? Therefore my spirit faints within me. My heart within me is appalled. Verse 9. Deliver me. Deliver me from my enemies, O Lord. We find the writer of David, we find David, I'm not sure exactly what the context is behind this song. We know that Saul, King Saul, pursued him. We know that once he was a king, once he became king, his son Absalom was uh, trouble for him. I, I don't know exactly what was happening behind this, what the backstory is behind this song, but I can tell and you can see in this song. You can hear discouragement. You can hear that he's overwhelmed. He's, he's crying out for mercy. Do you find yourself here today in need of mercy? I want to divide this psalm into three big chunks today. You can see them on your outline. I didn't leave any blanks for you to fill in. But maybe there's a few things that God may put on your heart that you want to jot down inside these three things that we're going to consider. The first one is this. Do you need help? Do you need help in, in whatever you're going through? How do you respond to stress, by the way? How do you respond to discouragement? How do you respond when you're overwhelmed? Well, I just told a story of how I handle it, how I respond sometimes. I start dropping plates. I start overlooking things. I, in that particular story, it wasn't some small thing either. Thank God for mercy. How do you handle that? Do you get loud? Or do you, do you shut down? Do you back off and just kind of disappear from the relationships in your life when you're overwhelmed, when you're stressed out, when you're discouraged? How do you handle it? We can hear in David's voice, I wonder if you just turn, turn off you turn to the bottle? Joel, don't start going down that road, man. Just get back on track. Don't, don't start bringing all that stuff that people turn, in, turn to substances to help comfort themselves when they're going through different. Joel, Joel, don't go there. Well, I will go there. I, I, I want you to be honest with yourself today. I want you to be honest with God. How do you handle it when you're overcome with things going on in life? I mentioned a few things a few minutes ago. 
There's a lot of parents in this room that are still taxi drivers, right? Your kids need to be places. They have to be at dance practice and ball practice and, and gymnastics, and they want to go to this place and that place. Now, there's some of us that remember those days. We're not there anymore. There's probably some people in this room that have deadlines at work in front of you, and you have no idea how you're going to get it done. The pressures to perform at work, and you feel this pressure, this, this overwhelming weight. And I'm just wondering how you handle it. Will you be honest with yourself and honest with God today? David cries out, you can see it there in verse 1. In this section, do you need help? Hear my prayer. Can you? He's just crying out. Give ear to my pleas for mercy. I need your help. God, hear me. Listen to my voice today. I, I need you. Do you need help today? David's appeal, you can see it in verse 2. His appeal is based on God's faithfulness and his righteousness. I need to stop here for a second and mention that we all need help at times. We all get overwhelmed at times, and we have need of God's mercy and God's help. But our greatest need in life is his salvation. Well, we need help through circumstances at work, circumstances through marriage. But, folks, those pale in comparison to our need for his salvation. His salvation that is only found in Jesus Christ. And sometimes we, we come to church faithfully, we, we, we attend life group faithfully, we, we have a quiet time every day, and we do all of these things faithfully, and we think that we're good. And Jay mentioned it a few minutes ago, that that's, it's these religious activities, that's not what saves us. What is it? It's faith in the one who gave his life for the sin of all mankind, his name is Jesus Christ. It's trusting in him. That, that's our greatest need. That's the greatest mercy that God could show us. And David makes his plea based upon God's faithfulness and his righteousness. I mean, how can we ask for God's mercy on the basis of his righteousness when it's our unrighteousness that is the problem to begin with? The answer is God's faithfulness. God is faithful to respond to those who repent and turn and trust in him. God's salvation is available to you and I based upon what Jesus did on the cross. I mean, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin, who, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you need to cry out for God's mercy today? Do you need help? Look at verses 3 and 4. David goes on, the enemy has pursued my soul. He's crushed my life into the ground. You can just hear how overwhelmed he is. How discouraged he is. There are times when we need to cry out to God in our moments of, of discouragement. 
and being overwhelmed. One of the things about our culture, and I don't know when this started, but our culture says if you're not busy, you're lazy. Agree or disagree? Maybe that's something you talk about in the car on the way home today. Are we just keeping up with our culture to stay busy? Have we taken the idea of Sabbath and thrown it out the window? To have a time where we set aside for rest? David is consumed. He says in verse 4, therefore my, soul, my spirit faints within me. Well, maybe you're not discouraged today. Maybe you're not overwhelmed today, but the day's coming where you'll probably face that. College students get it. They know what cramming for exams are. And some of you remember. Where do you turn when you're overwhelmed? Jesus is one who, who understands our, our situation. He gets everything that we go through. He understands our temptation. He understands our being overwhelmed. I mean, even Matthew chapter 26, when he was in the garden and, and he was quickly approaching the cross. Chapter 26, verse 38, he says, my soul is very sorrowful. Uh, the NIV says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow, even to death. Jesus gets it, and he is one that we can turn to in our times of stress, in our times of being overwhelmed. In Hebrews chapter 4, the writer says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who, is, who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. We have a Savior who understands. Do you need help today? Well, the first thing I want to encourage you to do is to turn to Jesus. Don't run away from it. Don't shut down. Don't get loud. Don't separate yourself from the people that you love and that love you. Turn to Jesus. We have one who understands. Let me ask the second question. Are you distracted? Are you distracted from your relationship with Jesus? Are you distracted from, from going to him who is the source? Verses 5 through 7, we get three important disciplines that as we are, find ourselves in this overwhelmed place that we can do. The first one is this. It's to remember. Look what he says in verse 5. I remember the days of old. In just a moment, we're going to have a Selah moment. We're going we're to stop. As we've been doing throughout this series, and we're going to take time to reflect. Reflect. We typically don't do this during sermons. I'm supposed to talk the whole time, right? This might be one of the only times during the week that you sit silently. And the only thing you hear are the fans on those lights back there. And he says the first thing he gives us in verse 5 is to remember the days of old. I just shared with you at the beginning of this time together on one of the days when God was merciful to me. I wonder what you would remember. 
What are some stories in your journey of faith with God? What are the times from when you first trusted in Jesus as your Savior to today? The times that God has shown you mercy. That he has seen you through the storm. That he has helped you and guided you through whatever you were facing. What are the things and what are the days you would remember? In a moment, we're going to have a Selah moment. I'm going to guide us through that time of silence. And I'm going to ask you to remember the second thing he says. Look in verse 5 again. He says, I meditate, at, I meditate on all that you have done. Meditation. We don't talk about meditation much in Christian churches. It feels kind of Eastern or something. Meditation is simply something you repeat to yourself. Meditate on scripture. You read it over and over. And you, and you ponder it like a cow chews on his cud. I mean, you just, you just repeat it. And you just, are there things that God has done for you that you just need to start repeating to yourself? God saw me through that. God saw me through that. God saw me through that. He helped me through that time. He helped me through that time. And I need, to, I need to ponder that. I need to just keep coming back to it. I need to keep coming back to how good God has been to me. I'm going to ask you in a minute to ponder. I'm sorry, to meditate. There was a day early in, man, I'm... I'm remembering a lot from the early days at Community of Grace. I would say one of the hardest days in my ministry experience. It was a Sunday morning, and I just was overwhelmed with everything that was going on, the pressures of staff stuff that was going on. And I used to sit on the front row right here, not over there where, where we sit now, but I used to sit right there. And on this particular Sunday, while the worship set was going on and, and all the singing was going on, I couldn't stand that day. I just sat right there. And on that day, one of the gentlemen in our church came and he knelt right beside my end chair right there, put his hand over my shoulder, and just started praying for me. Now I was doubly overwhelmed. I got emotional, started crying. And I knew at the end of the song that they were singing, I was about to have to come up here and start teaching. God was good to me that day. And that gentleman who came and prayed for me will never know. I've told him but he'll never know the depth in which he ministered to my soul that day. Now, there are some of you sitting in this room today that are overwhelmed. And you find it hard to stand and sing praise the words that are up on the screen because you're so discouraged and overwhelmed. Turn to Jesus today. But I need to speak to the person for just a second who knows of somebody in the church who's overwhelmed or discouraged, can I just tell you, you have no idea how meaningful it might be to them for you to come alongside them, put your hand on their shoulder, 
and pray for them. That in the years to come, they can look back on that day and give testimony of how a friend came to them and encouraged their soul. You know somebody that's discouraged today? Then friend, don't you hesitate to be an encourager. Don't you hesitate to be a lifter, an elevator of people. You go to them. You realize how hard it is to mess up by caring for somebody? Do you know somebody that's discouraged? Will you give them something to meditate on that they can just begin repeating to themselves? I remember the day when so-and-so came and encouraged me. Thank you, God, for sending that person. The third thing he gives us in verse 5 is to ponder, to consider, to chew on. It's things that we, we, we put the whole picture together of all the things that God has done for us. And we marinate in his steadfast love. Verse 6, he says, I stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. So we come to the word Selah, and I'm going to ask us to do something. We don't, I don't normally do this, but I'm going to ask you to do it today. I'm going to ask you to open your hands like this. Will you just lay them in your lap? Lay them in your lap in a posture of, God, I'm ready to receive whatever you have for me today. And so we come to this time of Selah. I'm going to ask everybody to close their eyes. And it just be between you and God. And God, I want to hear from you. I'm ready. I stretch out my hands. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. And the first thing I want you to consider in this Selah moment is to remember. Will you remember? All the times that God has seen you through things. Take just a moment and remember. Thank God for those times. Let's move on to the next one, to meditate, to repeat over and over on the mighty hand of God. It doesn't matter how big whatever it is you're facing, can you just meditate for a moment on how mighty our God is and that he can see you through whatever it is you're facing. Take a moment to meditate and repeat over and over how grand and mighty our God is.
third thing I want us to do is to ponder. Consider, reflect on the condition of your soul today. There's an old hymn that we sing. We sing, it is well with my soul. David says in verse 6, my soul thirsts for you. Will you just take a moment and talk with God about the condition of your soul today? Is it well? Talk with God about that. Lord, we thank you for Selah moments. We thank you for quietness where we can just sit and talk with you. To remember how gracious you've been to us, how merciful you've been with us. Lord, that we can meditate on how great and mighty you are. And Lord, we pray that today you would be an, an ointment, a, a medication for our soul that is either discouraged or overwhelmed. Lord, thank you for your goodness. Amen. Well, the last question I want to ask on your outline as we uh, close today is, uh, are you in need of direction? Maybe it's a decision at work. Maybe it's a decision for school. Maybe it, well, I don't know what it might be. What are you facing? What, you need direction. David needed direction. Look at what he says in those verses in 7 through 10. Look at just some of the verbs. Answer me. Hide not your face from me. Let me hear in the morning. Make me know. Deliver me. Teach me. Let your good spirit lead me. So I want to point out just three practical things for you and I to take away today. So we walk out the door. Three things uh, that from these verses that we can walk out of here and apply to our life. The first one is this. Uh, David needed, as you'll see in the first part of verse 8, he needed revelation. He needed answers. He said, let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for, I, for, I, for in you I trust. Do you want to know what God wants you to do? Ask him. He said, let me know. I, I, let me hear from you. Do you need revelation on direction? Which way to go? What to do? Ask God. Are you facing something that you're not sure about? Ask him. David needed answers. He said, answer me. Answer me quickly, O Lord. Talk with God about that. We can do that. It is an example that is set forth in Scripture. Ask. The second thing. David needed direction. In the second part of verse 8, he said, make me know the way I should go. Be specific in your prayers with God. Ask him, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? How do you want me to respond to that person at work? Ask God. We can hear all throughout this psalm, David's plea for mercy. His plea for God to respond to him, to answer him. What do you need to ask God for today? And the third thing I want to point out is motivation. David needed motivation to move forward. 
And sometimes when you and I get discouraged, when we get overwhelmed, we just find ourselves sitting down on the stairs and weeping. And we need something to just kick us in the pants and get us going again. David needed motivation for moving forward. Look what he says in verse 10. Teach me to do your will. Teach me. I'm a, I'm a willing learner. Teach me to do what you want me to do. What direction do you need to go in your current circumstances? Here's the deal. This is the hard part of this, these three applications. What if God does answer you? What if he does give you direction? What if he, he lays on your heart and you, you, boy, God spoke to me and gave me a piece about this? What if he does all that, yet you still hold a card in your pocket that says, I still get to choose whether I do it or not? Why not we throw that away and come to an understanding and agreement that God's ways are the best ways? I don't, that looks way more difficult than the way I want to do. But God's ways are the best ways. Can we just agree upon that? Can we just agree that God's ways are the best ways? Wow, that was a good Southern Baptist answer right there. So if God does respond to you, if he does answer you quickly, if he does teach you his ways, then take his ways and move forward with them. He says, teach me to do your will. You know how a teacher, I, I counted a few minutes ago, eight or nine teachers in the room, you know how a teacher knows that something's learned? How? Oh, they say yes. Okay. Hey, somebody has learned something that when everything is forgotten, that which remained has been learned. You think about all the things that you learned in college and how many things you remember still. That's what you've learned. The things that outlast everything else that's been forgotten has been learned. And church, if we walk out of here today and learn nothing else, I want you to learn this. God's ways are best. And if you're going to ask him for how he wants you to move forward, if you're going to ask him for direction in your life, if you're going to ask him for how you should respond, then trust that what he gives back to you is best. And move forward with it. Deal? Seek God's will and walk in it. I'm going to ask our praise team to come. We're going to have a time of response. I mentioned earlier that uh, the way that we have access to God's grace is through a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. And if you're here today or you're watching online, and you've never trusted in Jesus as your Savior, I need to tell you some bad news. You know what the bad news is? Without Jesus, your destination is separation from God. And it's a word that we don't say in church very often, but that's hell. That's the bad news. But now let me tell you the good news. 
For everyone who believes in God's one and only son, for every person, every person, any person, the most vile person that you can imagine, if they will repent of their sin, trust in Jesus, ask God for forgiveness, and trust in Jesus as their Savior, the Bible says you will have eternal life. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, and you will be saved. If you've never done that, if you have questions about that, if you'd like to do that today, man, I want to invite you in this moment, in this moment, to stop and just say to God, I know I have sinned. I know it. I've messed up so many times. But today I admit it. I admit it to you, God. And I'm telling you from the deepest place in my heart, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? I heard that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. He took the punishment that I was supposed to take. And you did that for me. That's what, that's what the pastor told me is that you did it for me. And so today I confess my sin to you, God. And I ask you to forgive me. And from this day forward, I give my life to you. I trust you with my life. Will you come and be my Savior? I believe you will. See, you can, you can say that. I, you can say that to him. But saying it is not the deal, right? It's not words. What is it? Confess it with your mouth and believe it in your heart. You can do it now. Ask him. And when we sing in just a moment, if you've made that decision today or would like to talk more about it, I'd love to pray with you, talk with you about it. I'll be standing right over here in this general area. If today you find yourself overwhelmed, and I know that there's more than one in this room, if you find yourself discouraged today, I'm going to meet all of you right there as soon as we stand. And I want to pray over you. For those that today would say, Joel, I am, I'm discouraged. And I found myself shutting down, I found myself getting loud, whatever, however you respond. I want to pray for you right there. Don't wait. As soon as we stand and sing, I'm going to ask you to come. Just don't leave today without doing business with God. Deal? Deal? Let's stand.
Father, I ask that as we uh, close our time together today that you would walk with us as your word teaches us in John that we would abide in you. For apart from you, we can do, say it with me, church, nothing. So, Lord, I pray that each person in this room will make the decision right now, hey, I'm going to abide. I'm going to abide with my God this week. I'm going to, I'm going to stand up tall and walking in the confidence of my God. Thank you for hearing our cries of mercy today. In Jesus' name, amen.